The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. A good, good Friday late morning, early afternoon, Webster Groves. This is Arnold Stricker of In Tune with Ellie Wharton. You're listening to In Tune, a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, 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 lots of humor, and justice. We have in studio Chris Mullen, who is the host of Studio 111, and uh, Chris has uh, graciously. Uh, decided to stay in the studio because we actually <laughs> tied her into the chair. She couldn't leave. You know, that duct tape, I'm telling you, duct tape cures a world of ills. Oh. Duct tape and baling wire. And ba- <laughs> The makings yeah. of a wall. Of a wall, that's okay. right. There yeah. was a guy that uh, was pulling a trailer full of hay, and he um, uh, he didn't have a, a ball on the back of his pickup truck, so he took some baling wire and wrapped it into the bumper area, and it worked actually very well. For how long? Oh, he was traveling for many, many miles. Really? Yes. At at what what speed? Oh, probably thirty miles an hour. And with baling wire. With baling wire. I'm gonna have to get some of that. Yeah, it's good. And get <laughs> Go some with the, good t- duct, with the duct tape. tape. That's the right. Duct, duct tape, tape is not like it used to be, though. You know, I remember back in my day when <laughs> <laughs> when the oh, duct yeah. tape you couldn't get it off. Right. That was the whole purpose of duct tape. That's correct. Now it's just like any other it's tape worthless. is just it's just gray. It's worthless. Yeah. Um, it's really funny though, you know, when you start to think about all of the things that you get during this time of the year that help to stick things together, like, you know, you get the, 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 the tape so that you can tape up your children's <laughs> toys, you know, the wrapping and, you know, and you spend all this time on wrapping and making sure that it looks so pretty. And then what do the kids do? They come and they grab it, not where the tape is, right in the middle. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can't reuse that paper. <laughs> That's right. Well, in my household, trust me, we've got paper that's been there since the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, when in doubt, toss it out. Throw it out. That's it. That's right. I, I'm recycling. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> we have all these bells and whistles, Chris. I see. And, you know, but I did tell someone about what we learned about, again, the napkin. That was the big one because, you know, I always say that when I get extra napkins, they just recycle right into my purse. Sure. You know, see, yeah. see Chris does that too. Absolutely. You know, Chris Mullen, not Chris Verdaisy. Chris Verdaisy tosses his napkins out, I'm sure. He doesn't have a purse. I'm an old pro with recycling. <laughs> you know, we've been doing this in New York since the 70s. <laughs> How about that? His purse must be full of napkins. <laughs> <laughs> My trash can is. Yeah, exactly. But now when I go to Panera Bread, you know, shameless plug for Panera on Allen Avenue in Webster Groves. But You know, throw it away. I throw it away now. That's and right. I actually caught somebody else, you know, doing that. And they got a little upset with me because, you know, after I tackled them, dragged them back and made them d- put their hand into the trash can and put it into the right hole. Ooh. They had to go to the restroom and wash their hands. <laughs> well, you know, I'm serious about recycling, folks. Do it right or... Don't do it at all. That's right. That's it. That's <laughs> yes, it. I'm so thankful for single stream. 
recycling. Yes. Believe me. <laughs> and, and we're going to be continuing to help educate folks out there about how to do that correctly and do it better so we don't lose single stream. Exactly. And especially during the holidays right now. I mean, yep. do we recycle um, wrapping paper? Do we recycle the tissue paper inside? Or, or how about even those nice colored bags that we get now so that we don't have to wrap? You know, I love whoever came up with those little gift bags, man, I tell you. It's called Cheetah Wrap. (laughs) Cheetah Wrap. (laughs) Just throw it in the bag. And throw some some, uh, colored uh, tissue paper on top of it here. Make it look nice. Make it look nice. So, Chris, um, it's it's been interesting listening to you on the air Mm -hmm. and in your background. And, you know, I don't know that many people know your background. Many right. people maybe do. I don't. So that's, that's I why, do. That's why I'd, I'd love to tell us a little bit about uh, about Chris Mullen. Webster Gross native. Uh, spent about 20 years as a city resident. Love both of them for different reasons. I'm back in Webster and writing and producing and scheming and plotting. <laughs> scheming and plotting. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with writing and producing? Yes, it does. <laughs> it so, always should. So those arts are, and culture. Those are arts and culture. So what, what got you interested in, in music and the arts and culture? Oh, wow. Music was always around me. I started with piano with one teacher and then picked up flute and clarinet in wow. grade school with Walter Latham. That who man was, was a, amazing. Amazing. And he played with George Hudson Big Band, right. among other things. So there were the textbook, music books that you get, and then having a serious jazz player as a teacher. So things sort of seeped in. That's cool. Yeah. And, and That's you know, cool. Mr. Latham lived to be 100 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, and you, you know, you being a band instructor, I mean, you can appreciate, you know, this guy was such a tremendous, um, just he saw the value in students and was willing to even um, invest his own personal money. Mm. Um, one particular person who is extremely good right. um, that he he actually paid for a tutor who was Juilliard trained wow. to teach this young young man who is today a professional musician. And there are many others who came through our community through yeah. Douglas Elementary. Because of Mr. Latham, we got involved in um, music and he made sure that everybody had an instrument and that we had the training that we needed. You know, and, and that's the, the nice thing I like about instruments or knowing how to play or if you sing, yeah. is that it's something that you can continue to do throughout your life. You don't have to, okay, now that I'm out of high school, I stopped playing. A lot of people do that. Sure. Or a lot of people do continue. There's many times there's community bands around or you just play for your own personal benefit. It's hard to haul a piano around yeah. now. Yeah. Well, you know, now the well, he was great. the yeah. first teacher of Willie Aikens, wow. who we lost not too long ago. Ago, wow. and Willie always gave him his credit. And one thing Mr. Lathan did is that when I was in sixth grade, he got me, Valerie Walker, to play with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra wow. for a gig, and that was like, oh wow! Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, yeah, so it was wonderful. It was. I mean, our teachers and Chris. Uh, see, Chris and I grew up together. Right. We live on the same street, right. uh, just at different ends of the street. And today, we still live in 
different ends of the same street. Right. Okay. In the same house. In the same houses. <laughs> exactly. And so we know all of these people because we grew up with all right. of these people. You know, so that's our common experience. You know, but when you really stop to think about how our teachers, they took such an extraordinary uh, interest in our areas of strength, and they were willing to do what it take it would take at the time to give us, you know, the, the road to success. And that was just so incredible because a lot of times they were coming out of their pockets. Yep. And we didn't realize it, you know, at the time, but they were doing that in order to help us give that leg up for well, what and, we were getting ready to, you know, experience once we went across the street. Yeah, that yeah. Ex- that experience gives you. Uh, it develops a lot of different kinds of things within your character. Exactly. Right. Also, we have to attribute strong parental involvement. You know, that in is the true. home, in the school, yes. in the community, walking down the street. You know, if you veered off in an area that could get you into some trouble, there was somebody, somebody. who was saying, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, no, no." And then would have the conversation with your parents. So before you, know. you even got home, yep. yeah, that yep. was the thing. You know, it's like they, it's like, how do you know my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Did you play um, clarinet or flute uh, in the band at uh, Webster Groves High School? No, I was piano focused. At piano that focused. Time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You still playing? I run scales. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? um, no, I don't play for anyone except my own enjoyment. And that's good. And a lot of it, sometimes when I play, it's therapy for me. Yes. It helps me relax or I can kind of go into a zone and do something different. So oh, yeah. so what did you do after you got out of high school? You uh, Did Went you continue to, to play the music? or I continued to play most of my music on stereos. Okay. <laughs> you know, radio. And started working with musicians and that was a very interesting time in history, I think, sort of like another renaissance during that period where music, dance, visual arts were breaking out of another box right. and moving in other directions. Right. And I actually started writing more during that period. Okay. And one of the people who made an impact is now... The new poet laureate for the metro area, Shirley LaFleur, Shirley Bradley Price LaFleur. And she brought in free poetry along with the black artist group at the time that was doing modal jazz, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Catherine Dunham was across the river (laughs) bringing in African and Caribbean dance. So there was a whole lot of stuff going on. And I got interested not in just being a practicing artist, but promoting the arts. Okay, so you, what is, uh, what are some of the things that you've written? Are are you into nonfiction, fiction, poetry, prose, short story? I cross all of it. Some of it is I can write this for hire. And then some of it is, I can write this and I better keep it in this drawer for <laughs> a long time. I've been working on one piece for over 20 years, wow. and it's not right, and I'm going to make it right. And that's typical of artists that we've had on the show and talk to them. It's like they know when it's done. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And because Chris always brings on 
different artists. I mean, she 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 talks about Shirley Lafleur all the time. I think you've tried to get her here a couple of times, and yeah, it, during that particular time, she was going through a little health issue. She's back and strong, and we are setting up plans for that interview. Cool. That's good. Yeah, because you've had the the prior. Um, well, poet laureate, and that was Michael Castro, yes. and you and I went over to his house, and you did that interview. That's it was right, great interview. It was a great Absolutely. interview, you know. And I had Adelia, that's right, Castro, his wife, who was a photographer in studio. So yeah. So you um, you went from music, you kind of moved into the literary area. Yes, and you also have done some videography I, and yes, I produced written whatever with I like long form documentary video essays one of them was nominated for an Emmy and that wow. was cool um, what was that talk about it's that it's called Phoenix Rising it was about the Jeff Vanderloo neighborhood yeah. and that was a sort of interesting story because I heard that CBS under Tom Wyman's reign was looking to give several communities throughout the United States grants. So with Betty Lee, who was with Proud Magazine and the Jeff Vanderloo Neighborhood Corporation, we wrote a proposal, submitted it, and got funded. So uh, there was a little bet going on. Uh, Mr. Wyman said, oh, you can't do that for that amount of money. (laughs) Yeah, watch me, you know. So we made the documentary. And how long was the documentary? It's 58 minutes long. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And you documented the history of Jeff Vanderloo? Yes, yes. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. There was a gentleman by the name of Mackler Shepard who lived in that area. He had an upholstery shop. And he was an activist in his own way, and he hated to see his community declining. Mm -hmm. So he started talking with the Mennonite church, who had a church in the neighborhood. And there was a gentleman, Reverend Schwarzentruber, and Cecil Miller, who were both Mennonites, who got together with him. And if I recall correctly, because I haven't seen the documentary in a while, They started talking with neighbors and talking with organizations and started rebuilding physically and rebuilding culturally and emotionally that community. And it was sailing forward beautifully. At one point, they even owned the building that is now the Scott Joplin Museum. Oh, wow. Wow. And when they determined that it would be best as a formal museum, they worked with the state to take that over. And the first person working on that is a woman by the name of Annette Bridges, a classmate from Webster College, Webster mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that community was incredible. Um, we had a communications resource center where we had high school juniors and seniors for two classes a day each class being three hours in film photography radio production television production and 
writing. You know, and, and the, it was the, great. <laughs> the, the stuff that happens today, it's like, it's not new. There, no. These things have been going on for a long time. What you just talked about, having high school kids in for a couple hours a day, and, you know, we talk about programs that are out there that do right. these kinds of things. And you made a comment earlier about mm-hmm. rebuilding a neighborhood physically, but also emotionally and culturally. Oh, That's look, an interesting statement. We had overnight pajama parties for community. We would show movies and have popcorn. And you just come into the studios, grab a blanket or a sleeping bag, and watch a movie, you know? Um, One of the things that we thought was important is if we're working with your kids, you should be aware of what your kids are doing. Right. You know, the door is open. Right. (laughs) You know, we had a lot of community support in that we would give a kid a $40,000 camera and say, go shoot this event. And I remember one kid saying, well, what if somebody tries to take this? Let it go. (laughs) Come back and tell me. Right. But be able to come back and tell me. Right. And don't lose your life over that piece of equipment. And it was, the kids are great. You know, they were great. They are great. Some of them have gone on to work within the industries. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them is um, editorial page editor at the Atlanta Constitution. Oh, wow. You know, one has been a videographer at KMOV for a number of years. They're all across the country. They're doing what they're doing, you know, and so, they're wonderful. So you get you get done with that uh program Mm -hmm. and how does how does something like that get nominated for an emmy um it's my understanding that it was submitted okay (laughs) which i did not do all i got was the notification that oh we are going to have the program on this night and this is going to happen we did not win the emmy for that and that's okay because I'm still in shock that it was nominated. <laughs> well, maybe maybe that uh, gentleman who who didn't think it could be done for that budget was like, "Oh, wow, look at this! They did it for that budget. Let's, oh, let's actually, nominate." Actually, he was quite impressed with it, and it was screened on our PBS station here. Okay, okay. that was its premiere, and okay. that was like real cool. So you like executive producer and director and writer and yep. Wow. Yep, yep. All, all, all of the those. above, right? All of the above. <laughs> and had I known, I would have done a W.C. Fields and had multiple <laughs> names, <laughs> you know, yeah. because it, otherwise it could seem like an ego trip. <laughs> so but, after that, mm-hmm. uh, what what uh, what was going going through your mind as to what you wanted to do? I wanted to stay in a situation where I could pursue what interested me and mm-hmm. opportunities. So I went into a partnership in industrial and commercial film, Mm. and that was pretty interesting, but also with events attached. What's what's the difference between industrial and commercial film? Well, it wasn't like a broadcast situation, but it may be like maybe someone's running for office and needs some commercials cut, you know, and the first thing you learn is have that good talk and leave the first meeting with the check. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you work on it. You okay. Know? So yeah, um, there are corporations that I have worked on their media packages. And I'm, I'm sure there's a, probably a lot cool. of training, a films lot and things of like that too. Yes. Stuff. Yes. There. I think I mentioned to you about a particular corporation that we shot that. Over 20 years ago, and they're still burning. They're still using it. <laughs> they're still using it. They haven't updated it. their. Uh... That's called no, getting that's their money's worth. That's how good we were. Yeah, oh, well, well, there you go. There Excuse you go. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the content needs to be updated. Nope. Okay. They don't have to do a thing. <laughs> Maybe uh, update some clothes or some hairstyles. Nope. Nope. Okay. Don't well, there you are. have to do it. You know, because the thing of it is, is if you did it 20 years ago when people were in afros, guess what? They're back 20, in afros. That's right. Exactly. Right, you know? Right. And, and sometimes you don't use people. Ah. Yes. Well, we'll have to answer that question <laughs> after, after the break that's coming up. You're like, out. kind of, what do you use if you don't use people, huh? Use inanimate objects. There you go. Yes. You know, yes. and... So, and The, the talking of, microphone. <laughs> And the thing is, is that with with technology, you know, there is so much that you can do that really is kind of like that miracle stuff. It makes it like, how did they do that? You know, and you don't tell anybody how Look, they how you there, do there it. It's nothing you really have to do for a Ginsaw knife. That's right. You know, except that not, except not forever. cut your own finger off. Exactly. Okay? But the commercial itself works. That's cool. That's very cool. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. Of In Tune, you're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been talking to Chris Mullen, who is the host of Studio 111. And Chris has been telling us about her uh, antics. No, off the air. No. <laughs> she's been telling us about it's what she's been doing in her life, a musician, a writer, a producer, director, a videographer. And we just talked about a uh, program that she had completed, a 58-minute program, which was nominated for an Emmy on the Jeff Vanderloo neighborhood. And Chris, so where'd you get this uh, videography background? Uh, you Webster grad, Webster U grad, or what's what's the um, uh, scoop on that one? Webster did not have a formal communications department or TV department at the time. I was going there, but they had cameras, and they had some instructors who were interested, and... I started with still photography, and a friend told me that, hey, you ought to try for an internship in this television station. And I went, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, that wasn't on my radar at all. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with an internship with the CBS O&O here in St. Louis in television production. And... I really got interested in producing in that my mentor there is a guy named Ron. Uh, I know Ron. Ron Nichols. Yeah, Ron and Nichols. 
he was so cool in that he said, oh, you want to do that? Hey, you want to do that? You can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Back in the day, though, it was a yeah. little bit easier, it you was... know, to kind of do what you wanted to do. Because it's interesting that Chris and I have both worked for that same station right. here. You know, but back then, I think about how being in the business was so much easier, it, you know. Like, to a point. That's right. Like when because I was also. In, the ceiling was much lower. Yeah, that is that, that is very yeah. true. Like yeah. when I worked in. Um, radio we had a we had an older guy um that um his big thing was getting us trade at the restaurants Mm -hmm. and i will tell you we had probably a million dollars worth of trade at the hacienda (laughs) (laughs) at rock hill you know and subsequently when we took people to lunch because you were expected you know you had these these expense accounts and you were expected to spend this much money every month on, you know, man, I tell you, we would, it's like the whole office. Hey, everybody, you want lunch? <laughs> Come with us. <laughs> Go to the Hacienda, you know, but those were the days when you could get a lot of things like that. You know, businesses were a lot more open to doing those type of things. They were a lot less centralized, a lot, lot less corporatized, you know. So you did, you did a lot of kind of local interest projects Actually, he let me produce lots of stuff. Uh, He had a weekly program, but he also served as director and producer of other things. And the first big one he let me do was Valerie Harper. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, and that was so good in that she was nice. Um, she understood my position. I'm a college student who's not getting paid and doesn't know what she's what doing. What she's doing. <laughs> you know. Point and number three, the number one point. walked me through what I was supposed to do with her. This was in New York then? This was in St. Louis. Really? Yes. But at the same time, I started producing music. Okay. <laughs> you know, um... Tom Ray at Vintage Vinyl and I were sitting around talking and we decided we wanted to hear somebody. So we brought Keith Jarrett's band in town. Oh my gosh. So that was the first music. So I had Valerie Harper in television and Keith Jarrett on stage. And no small potatoes there. No, and she doesn't work with any small potatoes. I'll tell you a little story about Chris. (laughs) You know, this is the ricola man story uh-huh. <laughs> okay so chris is where i we remember are, that commercial we are working on the radio station actually because chris was part of the original steering committee and we were having our our bi-weekly meetings on the phone and everything and then all of a sudden i get this call on my phone and i and i, I have it you know chris is in my phone and I, I figure it's chris so i pick up the phone it's like hey chris what's going on it was chris's husband and he tells me that chris is now in the hospital with pneumonia so, got to get in touch with Chris. Chris, what is going on? She says, I had my bags packed. I was getting ready to go to Switzerland. What are you, you going to do in Switzerland? I'm going to go cut a commercial with the Ricola man. Yeah, I remember that. Ricola. That's right. That's exactly what I said to her. I said, I mean, you mean as in Ricola. Okay. <laughs> and she goes, yes. And then she was heading out the door. And the next thing she knew, she was in the hospital. Oh, wow. Thank goodness that that happened when it happened, because she could have been on the plane anywhere, you know, and something happened to her. And then she ended up spending four months, 
in the hospital oh for pneumonia. Mm -hmm. yeah, really she told case. me she had every yeah. pizza place in town on speed dial. <laughs> they let pizza in the hospital? Oh, for they her. let me have everything. Um, I got to tell you, they brought me the menus for surrounding restaurants, and they would allow them to be delivered after hours. That's hilarious. I mean, can you imagine four months of, oh. ho of hospital food? No. I'm surprised uh, four she... Four days of hospital <laughs> that's food. That's right. Four minutes of hospital food. Oh, you geez. know, but yeah, and Chris came out and she was very, very weak and very, very thin. And it was just like, wow. But, you know, I am so happy to say that, you know, now she's nice and plump. <laughs> for me. <laughs> for, that's right, for her. You know? <laughs> and if people were to see her, they would kind of go, huh? <laughs> so, so name some other things that people might know that you've been involved with. Well, one of the proudest moments of my life was to bring Sun Ra Orchestra to St. Louis. Mm. Wow. And I somehow got his phone number. Oh, I remember, because I chased his music all over the place and asked for it. <laughs> he gave it to me, and I called and asked him, why has this orchestra never played St. Louis? And he said, because no one has ever asked Seriously. Well, well yep. at least he didn't say... He was St. Honest. Louis where? Yeah, you know, was, thank yeah. goodness. St. Louis, Virginia? Yeah, exactly. St. Louis, yeah. Michigan? Yeah. I think there is a there St. Is, Louis, there. Michigan, isn't Could there? Be. He's, yeah. he's, the negotiations were wonderful. He told me what airlines, and I said, I don't have airline money. <laughs> what else can we do? So he brought the whole band down on the train. Wow. All right. You know, and like 50 people in a band, you know, wow. all their instruments, and they performed, and it was beautiful. And that, that had to have been in the day out. before the train was just as expensive as the plane. You we know. got a bulk rate. We <laughs> bulk argued rate. <laughs> with everything from hotel rooms to everything. And he worked with me every step of the way. That's great. And then he would call the house and my son would go, Mom, Uncle Sonny's on the phone. <laughs> you know, I'm going, oh my goodness, no, that's Mr. Sunrock. So did you ever think you would be rubbing shoulders with people like this when you were beginning the process? Actually, I didn't think about it. It was like, oh, here is this music, or here is here are these words. These are the people attached to it. Um, I've been very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to work with so many people, and some of them have become dear friends. But I think... A lot has to do with when I started and the genres of music that I'm really interested in producing because there aren't layers of security. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a big deal. I'll give you an example. I went to hear Wes Montgomery, who was performing with Wynton Kelly and a whole bunch of people, and... At most concerts, once the concert's over, everybody leaves the stage, you leave. Well, these guys took their bows and then started talking on stage, taking down instruments, yeah. and I just walked up to the stage and went, wow, this is great, Yeah, <laughs> you know? So you begin conversations. You begin uh, relationships. Absolutely, and it just worked that way. 
And you find out, too, that a lot of the jazz musicians are, are very approachable oh, yeah. people. Yeah. You know, um, we what we see is, you know, the big, the rock guys and the, the rappers and everything that, that walk around. And, you know, they, they've got like 20 people around them, you know, and don't take my picture. And, uh, you know, yeah. when these you go to, guys are looking for like, hey, is there some place open? open where i can get a meal a meal yeah. at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. you we're know, gonna that, get a burger that's exactly. right exactly you exactly know? uh there was one group john luponte's group they wanted to know hey what is the real estate market like here you know <laughs> wow. i mean john luponte oh my goodness are, loved him are quite different than people would think these are human beings who are interested in their surroundings you know i think you know? sometimes we put we put them on a pedestal because they are put on a pedestal many times by promotional right. kinds of things, by the media, mm-hmm. and to to obviously promote them to get more money. But at the same time, there's a there's a downside to that is that you do have to kind of protect yourself as an artist. But you there's this. Um, you know, I, I've told this story before when I was working backstage in in a theater uh, in college where the Guarneri String Quartet came on. They were so relaxed. They were cracking jokes when they walked onto the stage. Their performance was unbelievable. Then there was this pianist who was so uptight. He needed, you know, the water needed to be a certain temperature. He needed this kind of grape and whatever. He, and his performance was, my words, dull. Yeah. And, and so it's like, if you really enjoy yourself, if you're relaxed, yeah. you really can perform. Or if you know you can perform very well and you're confident in who you are, you can just relax and have a good time. One of the best conversations I had was with Al Green, who was in this area to talk about a government program. And there was the reception and everybody's going, oh, Al Green, Al Green. And that's as far as they got, right? you know? and. I went over and said, uh, let's talk about B3s, <laughs> you know. So we went over to the side and had maybe an hour-long conversation about who was playing B3s. They're coming back. Hell, they never went away. Wa- no, they never went away, and that is an art. It is. It is. To play yeah. that. That's got a, the, the unique sound. The unique sound. I mean, love and happiness. What would love and happiness be? without the B3, mm-hmm. you know, not taking away anything from right. Al Green. Right. But that B3 yeah. gets you. <laughs> well, that's it's the the right combination of things, yes. which actually makes hits. That's right. It's not necessarily the artist. It's the right combination of things. Right. Yeah. So as you, as you, um, you're kind of moving forward, you're, you're producing music, you're producing some video kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I know you, you, you said one thing that stood out, so you'd grab that question from me. Um, uh, <laughs> What, uh, any regrets along the way? Um, not too many opportunities lost, but mm-hmm. yeah, you got to roll with that. Mm-hmm. The time that I started, I think I was doing some extraordinary stuff with mm-hmm. some extraordinary people. And a lot of it seems pedestrian now. Everybody has an iPhone, Mm -hmm. and they can make a film, Mm -hmm. you know, and they can reach a lot of people. And that's wonderful. That was not accessible, but regrets about it? No. So what what kind of, because the technology has changed the industry so much, Mm -hmm. it hasn't changed 
what you listen for, what you look for. No, and something is true now that I told kids back then, the script comes first. You know, even if you're dealing with music, if you're dealing with visual arts, what's the story you're telling? That's right. I know I tell that when I'm talking to to writers, you know, and they ask me that same question, you know, and they, you know, well, well, how do I, what do I do? What's the, how do I get started? What's the first sentence? And I say, your outline. You need to know what you're going to be talking about. And so therefore you need to know where the story is going. And if you don't, what will happen is that you just end up having people just, you know, it's always a loose end and they never get finished. First, that's another thing. They never Mm. get finished. And then they're very frustrated after a year's worth of work because they haven't brought things to closure. They haven't wrapped it, you know, so you do have to make sure. And and the thing of it is, is that these writers and these artists, their mindsets are like way out there. Theirs is creative. We just want to create. Well, you sort of see the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is the big picture. Oh, how am I going to get there? That's right. <laughs> you know? Well, and that's kind of reminds me, we were talking uh, before the show, uh, Chris and I, they're in the uh, American, there's an article about Kennedy Holmes in there from on The Voice. Yes. And many times you're watching The Voice where they say, you know, you know, it really great. I'm not talking about Kennedy here necessarily, mm-hmm. but great singing, but I need to hear more of you right. in this song. Do you feel this song? Do you understand what this song means? And when young kids, and she's just turned 14, yeah. can express the emotion of what I would call uh, an adult song with an adult emotion, that's that's really understanding things. Yeah, she is a rarity. She has that voice. We talked about being able to understand her as yeah, well. Yeah, articulation. Yeah, she reminds me of Whitney Houston in yeah, that way, in that her voice is pure. There are no gimmicks with her, <clears throat> and that's such a rarity. Yeah. I I look forward to seeing her, hearing her, and wishing her well. She is like a week into being 14. Yeah. Yeah. A week into being 14. Right. And you can sort of see the vultures already out there. Right. And I looked at um, footage of her mom and went, she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. You know, and I hear what her friends say. It's like, yeah, this is a level-headed young woman who has an enormous gift. And she's probably been using that gift for a number of years. So she's been in situations. You know, a lot of times they, you know, they start as soon as you're at church and they realize that you can, you know, put put three notes together. You become the soloist, you know. Every week. (laughs) Every week. That's right. (laughs) And so you start to learn how to conduct yourself in ways that are different than other children who are just running around playing and doing whatever you're learning your trade yeah you know i know chris uh, talked about the vultures i, yes. I kind of call them ticks okay <laughs> like the, the new asian the asian tick that's coming in they, they suck the life out <laughs> of you you do. know they're, they're just along for the ride to get their benefit and um 
in young talent like you were talking about, Ellie, you know, singing in church. And then when you go to a different venue, when the venue becomes larger or now the lights, now the dancers That's behind right. you. That's now right. Now this right. whole staging, now outfits you're wearing. Outfits, makeup, hair. It's just this. The songs you sing. Yes, That's right. It raises this. And sometimes I think it maybe for some people, maybe not for her, but I've seen this happen to artists where it, they kind of get a little full of themselves along the way. And uh, it's good to kind of keep a perspective and to have somebody. That's why they have handlers, you know. Yeah, our parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just say, uh, excuse me. You're but not doing that. That's right. right. Except you're not going to dress like that. Yeah. You're not going to sing that song. However, you have that group of people <laughs> who come in and say, oh, you could be emancipated. You know, yeah. you have mm. the maturity yeah. to handle your business as long as I'm with you yeah. handling as long your as business. I'm your manager. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What's in it for you? And that's the so danger. There, there are really serious stakes, but I think she's, she's going to do it. She's that is great. She's going to do it well, you know. So you, you mentioned one thing that you would give to youngsters who are entering the business or thinking about entering the business about... Uh, you know, you mentioned that earlier. What what other things would you give them? I would let them know about the sacrifices mm-hmm. because there are sacrifices, um, depending on how you go into it. If you go into a traditional corporate structure, you are then a team player. So what you're dreaming about may not coincide mm-hmm. with what the business department says, mm-hmm. but you're an employee and you roll it that way. If you go independent, which I do more often than not, there is a freedom, but there's a freedom to work harder. That's right. <laughs> exactly. You pay a different type of dues right. with it. And for me, that's the best way for me. Yeah. So I think whoever that person is, just be true to yourself. If you don't want to deal with IRS audits, if you don't want to deal with a layer between you and the outside world in your industry, go the traditional corporate route. If you like flying without a net, hey, just go be independent, but learn the business of the industry and the art. Yeah, and that's, that's, I think, where you are in your career right now. You have gleaned some things from being in the industry, mm-hmm. and which gives you the ability to work independently. You know kind of the scope of things to go through the sequence of things. Sure. If somebody who's just kind of budding into it, you know, their their learning curve is going to be a lot longer unless they've, they're in an established, uh, you know, kind of industry group. Yeah, I would suggest that all people who go into the arts take a business class, you know, and learn how it applies to what you're into. Mm-hmm. You know, at least so let us hope you continue can can continue to take the deductions so you'll know to keep the receipts. Right, right. <laughs> Something as simple as keeping the receipts. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. Keep a ledger. Know how much it actually costs you to produce that work of art, you know, aside from your time, and then add your time. Right, because your time is worth money, it's too. It's valuable. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Now, you know, one of the things I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I always en- enjoyed hearing from Chris was when she was always preparing to take her annual trip <laughs> over to the Cannes Music Festival. Film festival. Film festival in France. And like most of us, you know, we think about going, you know, maybe to Kirkwood, 
to go to the movie theater. No, to the, to the canned music. That's festival. right, to the canned music festival <laughs> somewhere cool. in Kirkwood. <laughs> Every little bit. Chris else. is flying off, you know, to the Cannes Music Festival Film Festival, and it's really is really something I was asking her something recently, and we were talking about. Well, why don't you just you know call up call up you know somebody that you know call up Jay Z call up because she knows these people like that you know, and she was like you know when they go over there they're all begging for money too, <laughs> and I was just like what. I mean, these are guys that are cajillionaires. Chris, why are they begging for money for their next project? There's the unwritten rule. Don't produce with your own money. Okay. <laughs> say, I'm not spending my money to do this. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, self-producing is not a problem. There, I've been working on a project forever that I'm self-producing. It would be better financially if I said, yo, would you underwrite this? Would you contribute? Would you invest in that? But then you have business partners on it. Then you have to compromise what you're doing. That's not a bad thing, necessarily. But why would you not ask if that is what these other people invest in as their business? Right, exactly. You know, uh, people think that Tyler Perry goes into his wallet for every Medea film. No, read the credits. <laughs> you will see where monies come in. You will see that a lot of his films are distributed by Lionsgate. Right. Ah, you make a distribution deal. That includes money. Money. That's you right. Know? Exactly. So, yeah. These are collaborative art forms. And two, I would think that yeah. it should it would change your whole dynamic of okay, rather than I'm going to Cannes so I can get a picture with so and so and be around all the beautiful people and go to the parties. I mean, that's what we all think well, on the surface, yeah, right? That's the surface. That's of right. It. That's a hardcore business. Yeah. That is a cutthroat business. Yeah, and especially what people wear on they have a red carpet deal there, right? Yes. What they wear on the red carpet. You know, that's that that's, makes headline news. That's and, right. You better and, believe well, it. All these, you, uh, that walk is one of the longest walks, but they also have rules. And I think it was just this past one where the major debate was, could a woman wear flat heels? That's right. Shoes? Exactly. Oh I was yes, thinking. I mean, this serious. You were you were you were talking about that when as you were doing that. What was in my mind is no bedroom slippers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beyond that. Wait, that, wait. Now that would be if it was a bunch of black people. Okay. <laughs> no, no jammies. Yeah, yeah. No jammies. Okay. No bedroom slippers. We know that. But you know, come on, Maybe some Chrissy. Versace jammies. That's right. Uh, you can't wear flats. No. No. no oh. Women have to wear high nice. heels yes that's there, been a big right traditional this how is... about platform shoes eh. <laughs> especially if your husband's taller no no they want well, you can wear platform hills you know well Elton... guys have a yeah. little more flexibility <laughs> we're gonna leave that alone <laughs> there are shops surrounding the festival site that specializes in rentals oh. for what you need to wear uh. there. And I have to do one shout out to Afro World, based here in St. Louis, because I went to a place to find some hair conditioning 
products, and their products were from Afro World, St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. It was great. That's cool. <laughs> yes. They gave me a discount. <laughs> you say that again. That's a commercial. That's yes. right. That's a shameless plug, as Ellie was saying. It's a shameless said. plug. I must say, the shop in Cannes gave me the discount. <laughs> Afro World, I did let them know where their products are. <laughs> that is pretty funny, Chris. Chris, I really appreciate you uh, I had a ball. coming on and talking. And I know before the show you were like, oh, there's, I, yeah, I'm going to be a tough interview. I'm like, and, and you know, what did I tell you? I said, how, like, we don't have a five-hour show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to do this again. Yeah, I thank you for asking me, Arnold. Thank you, Ellie. This has been fun. You all have fun on this. We do. We do. We do. We have a lot of fun you know yeah, i'm a i'm a hold on to that opening with the viagra for a long <laughs> time right so if you're wondering what that is folks you can go back to uh, soundcloud when i post that and uh, check put in the search engine in tune kwrh and you can check that uh viagra joke and yeah. the See, thing I, that ellie said or on itunes that's thing. right See, because i always like to bring up something that arnold doesn't even know i'm getting ready to bring it up and <laughs> well, the whole second half of this show is going to be something Ellie's not going to be aware of. Uh-oh. <laughs> so you need to stay tuned for that because we're going to play some of the worst Christmas songs, pr- production of Christmas songs ever. This is going to be great. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of In Tune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. expressed by the following program.